super excited to drop this podcast. It's actually a long time coming because it's actually something I've wanted to do for a while. I mean, I've had people ask me, but sometimes you guys just ask me for a ton of stuff and I'm trying to answer as much as possible, but I'm like, you know what? We have to pause everything because I'm going to do a series on how the prophet, peace be upon him, was around children. Like we never get to hear that, right? Isn't that such an interesting thing? You're like, oh, I hear about him and the guys, him and the Sahaba, him and his wives. But what about the kids and how is he with kids as a family man, as a husband, as a father, and as kind of like just in general, teaching us how should we raise our kids to be strong Muslims, especially in a world that's really, really difficult, right? So awesome, awesome series that we're about to do. Um, I'm going to do it in four parts over this entire month. So we kind of have like two series going on. I have one for the single ladies where they are trying to need help with making good decisions around spouse selection because I see so many wrong things happening, just kind of correcting those. And for the parents, or I would say this series is also for people who are you know, aspiring to have kids soon, or maybe you're not. Maybe you're just in uni and you just like, you want to know how to do it better than your parents did. You feel like a little bit slighted with some things they did. It could have been better. And like overall, if you fall into any of those buckets, this series is for you. All right, let's do it. Hello, Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for joining us here at the Mindful Muslim Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Mindful Muslim, coming to you twice a week on topics, love, parenting, life hacks, um, spouse selection, marriage problems, um, career choices, trying to figure out what your purpose is in this world. I got you, right? So in this podcast, we give just really, really practical tips on how to be a Muslim and not compromise your faith, but still live a pretty amazing life in this modern day world. And so alhamdulillah, we're back with another episode in this week. In this series, we're starting part one. Make sure you do not skip this one and go into two and three and four because the prophet, peace be upon him, was very methodical. And when he raised children and when he cared for children, he had a very specific order. And this series is going to teach you basically, as a, if you're a parent, right, having those parenting struggles, like how do you raise a good Muslim? in this day and age, like, you know what I mean? And we're going to get these tips from the prophet, peace be upon him, exactly what he did, but better than that, in what order he did it, which is actually the key. Most of us are doing it out of order or we're doing pieces here and there. And so you're going to get this full picture if you listen to the entire series, inshallah ta'ala. So I suggest you to start with this one and then keep on coming back till you have the full picture of how the prophet did it, peace be upon him. And also it's going to teach us how to teach our kids to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is actually our ultimate job as parents. Think about it, right? I know we're here to keep them alive, right? We're here to like feed them and make them not like hurt themselves. But ultimately, they're going to go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We all are and we want them to love him the same way that we're struggling sometimes to love him, right? So in a way, you might heal yourself through this series as well. And subhanAllah, if you're a person who doesn't have kids, then you are just going to get a leg up. This is the stuff we all wish we had before the kids came because it would have helped. But alhamdulillah, So, you know, this series is going to go into that. Now, in this episode, we're going to talk about one of the most important building blocks to help raise a Muslim child who loves their identity, building trust and love. I know it's not like the first place you're going to go. You're like, discipline, I got you. Just hold on. Because building that trust and love with the child first really leads to better discipline then faith and love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and their deen of Islam. 
Okay, so that's what we're going to be going on into in this series. And so we're going to start right here. And if you're new to the series, I just want to say welcome, welcome. And if you are been here a million times and you've always listened and loved, one request I would like just to make before we start is if you would please pause and give us a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever it is you do that, because it helps us so much to help other women, because in this day and age, people believe the reviews. It's so much better if you guys say, and you're going to go on there, you're going to see a ton of reviews. And so you just think about if the podcast has impacted you in any type of positive way so that another sister strolling on by all alone out there in the world, thinking there's no help for her, can be like, ah, I can actually get something here for myself. Alhamdulillah. And any good deeds that she does, you get on your scale as well. Right? Alhamdulillah. So yeah, if you feel up to it, please pause right here and then come on back. We love it and appreciate it. So developing emotions. This is huge. This is huge. So in Shalabizanthayala, the first block that the Prophet, peace be upon him, built with children can be summarized in one single word. Trust. Now in this series, we're going to talk about how he built that trust that helped build the discipline and the faith and everything else. But right before we do that, I want to tell you where we're getting some of these resources from because I think people always wonder. And that's really, really important. So first of all, it's a couple different things. It's actually even more than what I'm going to say. These are the major ones, let's say. Um, so I'm not sitting here like rattling off sources all day long. Okay. So the first is um, a lot of this comes from the work of Ibn Kathir and um, Hisham al-Awadi. And Al Ishara Al Tayyiba, Ma Al Awulad, what I'm trying to look at, so small written, what Tarbiyatihim. And the other one is Udhama Al Atfal, and a few others. So they're going to see a lot, but mostly, mostly, um, a lot of this stuff is from really, really famous books that may or may not have been translated into English. And so I know it's not easy to access this, um, access this information for people. So that's why we're really excited to present it here on the podcast. So anyway, uh, the Prophet, peace be upon him, he wanted to um, build trust. He wanted to create a relationship and build on love and trust with the, the, the kids. And you know, it's funny, as I explain this stuff in the podcast, I think you're going to start to make connections with yourself and with your own childhood, and how things kind of panned out for you based on whether or not those things were done for you. And then we have to think, well, that doesn't matter. Even if it was or wasn't, you know, we can still, we have control of our story. That pen is in our hand. And so we can craft a new version, cycle interrupt. We're all about that here, right? Cycle interrupt in a good way though, like as in returning back to the sunnah, not like carving out a new modern way. There's no such thing. The Quran is timeless. Allah doesn't make mistakes, right? So here the Prophet, peace be upon him, he did this. He, he wanted to create a relationship built on love and trust. And so children don't want endless instructions and commands, honestly. What they really want, what they really want is to have adults love and pay attention to them and listen to them. And you know that's true because if you're a mother, <laughs> it's like this, mommy, 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 look, 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 um, sit with me, play with me, uh, right? What is that? That's exactly what I just said, right? It's like, that's what they crave. They don't want the instructions. Now, the crazy part is we have to give the instructions. You're like, I get it, but can't sit and hug them all day. I got you. Don't worry. So the point is what we're going to teach you today is how the prophet, peace be upon him, use this building block to get the discipline and the follow through. But he had to build this first. A lot of us are skipping this one. 
going old school, right? What were we taught in our families? Now, I'm going to challenge you in this podcast to reconsider. Not saying what mom and dad and everybody else, auntie and uncle didn't, with like their whole approach was totally wrong. We're not going there. We're just saying, ask yourself, what is, was it aligned with the prophet, peace be upon him, and what he did? And if the prophet, peace be upon him, was here today, what would he say about that? That's really all you need to do with that, okay? So love and trust are the best paths to encourage good behavior from children, actually. That's how psychology works with kids. And so whereas commands alone, you know, they'll eventually backfire. For instance, you can gently pat your head of your child and put your hand on hers and ask her to pray instead of nagging or issuing orders because all they're going to do is associate Islam with horrible aggression and anger. And, you know, unfortunately for us, because our kids don't listen, right? They want to run the other way when we ask them to pray. That's all kids. That's totally normal. Your kid's not like super religious because they run or because they don't run. Like they're just, it's kids. This is normal. They're going to do one day good, one day bad, right? But the point is um, being like, oh my gosh, I love to pray with you. Come pray with me. Oh, mommy loves. Let me see if you can lead. Let me see if you could do this. As opposed to like, walad. Like, you know, like it's not, it's just a totally different experience, right? So remember what the prophet, peace be upon him, would say, Oh, Mu'ad, I love you. So don't forget to recite after every prayer. Oh, Allah, help me in remembering you and offering thanks to you and in worshiping you properly. And Abu Da'ud. So he's like, Oh, I love you. Don't forget to do this. Yeah, he put that connection of love into every commander order. So that's just one thing to think about and how you can almost like combine the two. Because it's really different, difficult to separate them, right? Expressing love, but also giving instructions. Because as adults, like, that's what we do. We're like the instruction givers. But one of them must come first. And it has to be the love and the trust. Or they're not going to follow through in the same way. You're going to struggle to get your kids to listen. Now, I want to throw something in here that I wasn't planning to say. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it anyway, because here we are keeping it real. For all the parents out there that let their kids plan devices a lot, I don't want to say this is different for those parents because kids are kids, parents are parents, the sunnah is the sunnah. But what I will say is that will pose an additional layer of difficulty for you. Because as nice as it is to have your child occupied, I mean, I'm not into it, but I, so people are, and I get that. As nice as it is for you to have your child occupied, because the reason I say it is because for me it causes anxiety. Most of the time, I'm like, oh my God, what if they press something? What are they doing? Because I already know, I've seen horror stories for so many kids, and I'm just like, I don't want my kid exposed to something. I don't know what they're doing. And then I can't focus on what I'm doing because they're on a device. Where as if they're playing outside in the backyard with a soccer ball, I'm like, whoop, good for me. But my point is the additional layer of difficulty will be um, they've gotten pacified by just like doing what they want in that device. Even if you have standards, even if you have rules, even if you have locks, the point is it's an addictive thing. So now drawing them back, it, it is a little hard. And, and always like a lot of parents, they struggle with the iPad game, right? Like, no, not right now. No, go, go play something. You're not going to have the iPad all day. Like I, I, I could hear it. I could hear it from over here, right? I know that fight. But my point is you are going to have an extra layer of difficulty. If you can restrict your child, and I have like a whole downloadable um, how to like curb your kid's device time and stuff and like a whole little handout about that. It's free on my website, www.mindful-muslima.com um, in the resources section. Tons of free stuff in there. I'm not going to go into that. That's why I'm throwing that out there and saying, hey, if that's you, you go find more information there. But here I'm not going to, I'm not going to say it, but I only say it because some people are going to be like, tried that, struggled. And I'll be like, okay, but I want you to know that does play a role that is going to make it a bit harder for get them to listen with these addictive situations mixed up in it. 
You know, I just wanted to throw that out there. All right. So it is difficult to, you know, separate the two. The two are kind of intertwined, like love and instructions, right? But it is essential that love and emotion and building a relationship comes first before we teach them to follow rules, especially Islamic rules. And parents building kind of like a loving relationship so that their kid can trust them and consider them as friends. I know that's like cringy to some people. You're like, what? My mom and dad were like, follow the rules, blah, 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 blah. But I mean, let me ask you this. I mean, how much would you guys would have loved if your parents sat next to you and hugged you and like, like, how was your day? Like, hey, what do you think about that? And they were super kind of like, they kept boundaries and they were strict, but they were kind of like somebody you could go to, somebody you could be approachable. And that's actually what the prophets were. You know, peace be upon them, like um, Prophet Ibrahim, you know, um, and, and, and many other of the prophets with their kids. You know, um, even, you know, Yusuf, with his father, he, the other brothers were jealous because he can go to his dad. I mean, how many teenage boys can like shoot the breeze with their dad? Most of them are like, oh, ew, I'm running away, right? So they were extremely approachable. And that was always the example they gave. But us, we, we're usually like authoritarian or super loosey-goosey. You could run all over me. Like we have to find that middle ground. And so that's what this podcast, Inshallah Business Thought, will help you do. So I know, um, you know, not all of us were taught some of these things, but it is the prophetic way, you know? So I want us to consider opening up our mind and learning things a different way. So now let's examine how the prophet, peace be upon him, built that emotional bond. Like how did he do it? That's what we're going to go into now. Right. So first of all, I already mentioned that he did it through love and self-esteem. And that's huge. That word right there, self-esteem. Um, again, I also have other resources on this. Building our own self-esteem as women, um, building our children's self-esteem and the critical nature of that. I have a YouTube video on that, children and their self-esteem and how you can crush it. A lot of us crushing, crushing our children's self-esteem. And I'll just throw it out there that if you crush your kid's self-esteem, and a lot of us do it unknowingly with these different comments we make or lack of comments or whatever, um, that directly is connected to their happiness for life because it's all based on how they see the world through the lens of themselves and their place in the world and their worth and, 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 and we can go on for days. I'm not going to do it this podcast, but he built love and self-esteem. Let's see how he did it. How about that, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, and we have sent you, O Muhammad, peace be upon him, not but as a mercy for all that exist. And he said that in 21107. So I want you to visualize his rahmah, the Prophet, peace be upon him's rahmah, based on what I'm talking about today. So start by thinking about his physical presence and appearance, right? Even his mercy with children was, he wasn't a hitter, okay? He wasn't like a yeller, okay? I know, think about our homes right now, right? Is that us? right? His touch, his look, his smile. He was, he had genuine rahmah and he had, he had kids listening to him. You're like, oh, that's not fair. He's a prophet. Come on. No, not really. Kids are kids. Kids know good people. Kids know when, you know, kids are smart like that. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about, right? So if you're not a parent, you'll, you'll know, right? Or maybe even you remember from as a kid, you know, like knowing if somebody's like, ooh. And so subhanAllah, he just had this beautiful, genuine nature of just, beautiful love and friendliness and calm and rahmah. And so children were naturally attracted to him and enthralled by him and wanted to know what he thought and watch how he did stuff and then just copied him. And that's what we want from our kids, us copying our good stuff, right? Hopefully our good stuff, not the bad stuff, like, right? Alhamdulillah. So genuine rahmah, it wasn't for show from him and it was not dependent on his mood, how many of us are like, oh, well, I would love to be merciful and everything, but today mommy's having a bad day. So everybody watch out, right? 
How many of us were like, rrr, right? So subhanAllah, like he wasn't like that. The Prophet, peace be upon him, um, he was he was just, he had rahman no matter what kind of a day it was. That is life goals, right? Alhamdulillah. And there's a way to do that, obviously. And that comes from a whole nother series that I can't go into now, which is kind of like connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But we're talking about how to get the kids there first. So let's talk about that. The Prophet's mercy was genuine. So how do we get that principal behavior regardless of mood and circumstance? That's something if you guys are more interested in, DM me on Instagram, let me know. But the prophet's default manner was being friendly, outgoing, and cheerful. And that might not be all of us, and that's okay. But my point is, he had that genuine demeanor. And he would cry, and he would have his bad days, and he would get depressed sometimes. Not He wouldn't stay depressed, but he would go into that, that depth um, at certain, like the year of sadness. It was really, really hard for him, but he wouldn't stay there. And we talked about that in previous podcasts, about feeling pain versus suffering if you didn't go back to that podcast pain versus suffering because there's a difference pain is to be expected suffering is a choice and so he chose not to suffer even though he had a ton of pain lost many of his children imagine just one child i can't even imagine right my own life one child multiple children that is extreme suffering and it wasn't just him it was his wives and his wives were not prophets they were amazing amazing women right i mean um but at the same time if you wanted to be technical, they weren't. And many of the Sahaba, a lot of pain, technically not prophets. Because I know a lot of us use that as an excuse. Well, they were a prophet. I'm not a prophet. I can't do that. That's not what Allah says. Allah said this was the rule for humanity. And he was just the teacher. And the best of teachers. So Abdullah uh, ibn al-Harith narrated, I did not see anyone who smiled more than the messenger, peace be upon him. And we know that it's al tirmidhi We know that smiling is a sunnah, right? This is the rahmah we're talking about. This is the rahmah that Anas ibn Malik meant when he said that the Prophet, peace be upon him, um, was the most merciful to people, even the members of his family. Now, that's the crazy thing right there because the most of us, the majority of us, are we merciful to our family? Hmm, right? We're like really nice to everybody else. When we come home, we're like, woo, I could be myself. Y'all better watch out. <laughs> well, we just get really cozy, right? Our emotional response to our family is kind of like like having sweatpants on, right? We're just like super relaxed, whatever rolls out the mouth, like take it or leave it. That's me. Deal with it, right? No, that's not what the Prophet peace be upon him did. I know that's where we get cozy, but we shouldn't, right? So checking ourselves first. Um, you know, are we that way with our families? Are we? So Anas ibn Malik, he knew what he was talking about in terms of personal experience with the Prophet, peace be upon him, because he saw plenty of people who were merciful, but he saw the mercy of the Prophet, peace be upon him, like in a league of its own. And the personal experience that he had um, enabled him to, to be to, to give many more examples to us in, in stories. So I just want to share with you today. So for example, Anas ibn Malik's brother, Abu Umair, he had a pet bird, and I love this story. Imagine your own child or a child that you know deeply attached to a toy of any kind, you know, whether it's a doll or a truck or whatever it is. To the extent like they won't go to bed without it. If they lose it, they're crying for days. And you know, I learned one thing as a parent is that I know for us, those things seem frivolous, but to a child, it's their whole world. Remember when you were a kid, you had something you really loved. Could have been this or that or your bike or your whatever, or your favorite shirt or whatever, but it was your world. And the world felt like it was ending when that thing got ripped, broken, crushed, whatever. 
get me? So we have this lack of mercy with our kids stuff. I want my talk. Like they're just so emotional. But the prophet wasn't like ripping items out of their kids' hands. You can't have it now. I told you. Like, but that's who we've become. Instead, he had a different approach. We're going to learn about it today. So he had this pet bird. And imagine if, you know, that kid, like I said, it breaks her. Well, what sort of emotional shock would have for this little child if his pet died and it was his best friend? So the prophet, peace be upon him, he could have seen a pet die and said, you know, like, he didn't just like, he wasn't like, I'm the prophet. I have to pronounce some saying that everybody expects me to say Islamically. No, no, no. He didn't just do that. This is the traditional Islamic saying in such circumstances. He could have done that. He could have explained that Allah had predestined the bird to die and he's happily living with Allah in heaven. And, you know, he could have went on and on and on. But he knows better that the child needs comforting. A child needs someone to cheer him up, talk to him about the issue, consuming their heart about the lost pet, right? So that's why it's often advised that when someone passes away, it's an essential part of the healing process for that person to talk about their loved ones. Maybe that's you. Maybe you have lost somebody. And maybe part of your healing hasn't happened because you haven't been able to talk about that loss with somebody else who was compassionate and merciful and was a loving ear. How good would that be, right? That's what our children need as well. And so if you go and you give your condolences and, you know, that's great and everything, but it's healthier to talk about the person and let the person experience talking about them in a, in a you know, in a respectful manner, of course. And in one narration, Anis uh, also recalled that the messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, used to come to visit us, he said. I, was, I had a younger brother who was also called um, Amu Amir, who had a sparrow, which he played with, but it died. So one, this is another narration of it, right? So the prophet, peace be upon him, came to see him and saw him grieving. And he asked, what is the matter with him? And we replied, his sparrow died. And then he said, the prophet, peace be upon him, uh, Abu Amir, what happened to your little sparrow? It's very nice in Arabic as well when they say it. In this touching scene, the prophet, even with the major responsibilities he shouldered as a community leader, was immediately worried about a child and his emotions, a young boy and his emotions. I want you to imagine if like, you know, the, 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 the president or the governor or the king, he's walking through and he sees a child who like his pet died and he comes down and he kneels down and he embraces him and he starts chatting with him and he feels like the world needs to stop for this child. That's the way the prophet peace be upon him dealt with children. And that wasn't even his own child. And he had better things I'm sure to do that day in terms of saving the ummah, building an empire of Islam and all this great stuff, right? No, that was his priority. And he saw the need and he stopped. And he acknowledged that pain and he comforted that child. Not even his own child. How do we do for our own children when they express discomfort and pain? Now, I know you might say, well, you know, they're always throwing tantrums. I'm telling you, their worldview is different, guys. I'm a mother of five. I mean, you could even say six because I've raised stepkids too. And at the end of the day, and I'm a teacher, right? I'm actually a licensed educator. A lot of you guys know for 25 years. And so all I, tens of thousands of thousands of children, okay? I've dealt with, interacted with. This is so true. I can relate so much to everything that is being done here in terms of what we're even trained to do with children to de-escalate their emotions and get them focused. And I've talked before in previous podcasts, like way back about kids and their emotions and toddler tantrums. Again, need help with toddler tantrums. 
You know, it's so funny because in the, in the, in the free resource that we have in the website, same thing, um, www.mindful-muslima.com, same, same place. And I say that because a lot of people don't even know we have free resources. They're just like, oh, thought you only had a podcast. No, so they're there. Anyway, we have this toddler resource and one of the first steps, there's three steps to de-escalated toddler tantrum. And one of the first ones is rahmah. It's actually embracing and hugging the child. And you're like, what? I want to like pound my fist right now. They just broke all my stuff. They just knowingly like dumped everything everywhere. I got you. I got kids. Like I said, I got you. I totally get it. I have totally felt that feeling. Not even going to pretend I didn't. But um, Islamically, we know the sunnah and we know there's wisdom in it. Number one. Number two, psychology actually backs up what the prophet says and says he's absolutely correct. If you go and look up like psychology with children, and on top of that, if you actually try it, totally works. Because the kids are in their um, irrational mindset right there. It's called like the reptilian brain. That's like the layman's term for it. And so um, the only way that will rip you out of that into your logical self, so you can talk to him about how silly it was to like crack the carton of eggs all over the kitchen floor, um, he's, he can't hear that right now because he's in the reptilian brain. And the only thing that rips him out of the reptilian brain and puts him into the logical part of his brain so that he can hear your amazing reason why he shouldn't or she shouldn't have done that is empathy. SubhanAllah. The prophet, peace be upon him, he knew then. He taught that then, way before modern day psychology. SubhanAllah. So this is some good stuff here, and this is all from our sunnah. So anyway, um, you can read more about this in the tafsir by Ibn Kathir or others about the following Quranic verse, um, where also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the Quran that, um, and by the mercy of Allah, you Muhammad, peace be upon him, dealt with them gently. Because nobody wants to follow somebody aggressively. They want to follow somebody with love. But it was love with boundaries. It was never like, step all over with me, love. Like, it was always beautiful boundaries. So we'll, we'll learn more about that over the series. So the Quran 3.157. I know this is going to be a bit of a longer podcast, guys. I've been doing some shorts. Like, the other ones have been some shorts, like 10-minute podcasts. I know I don't usually do that short. But I threw in some shorts and some longs. So you know, even if you got to listen to this in one part, two part, I got it. But um, definitely, definitely make sure you finish because this is some gold right here that I've, I've used for my own kids to raise them. A lot of people ask me, how do I do this and do that? So I'm laying it all on you guys, and I'm even giving you the resources. So it is all here for you. However, unlike Ennis, um, we don't have the personal experience of the Prophet's gentle love, most of us, right? So the Prophet already knew what had happened to the pet. He knew there was a problem. He didn't have to say, hey, what happened? He knew what happened. Why did he do that? Because he wanted to ask as a subject of overwhelming importance to the boy. He wanted to show him he cared. It was for a reason. It wasn't because he didn't know. But do we show that importance to our child? Do we show them that we're worried about them? Oh my gosh, why does that hurt you? Most of us are overwhelmed ourselves. I know, I know. But that's why, guys, I want to be honest with you about parenting. If I could just like do a little pause here. Parenting starts with us. That's the real truth. We have to parent ourselves. And if I was to make a parenting course, which I probably will next year sometime, inshallah, isn't that. Everybody keeps asking me, but I'm just to be honest. Like, I have made so many things. And you guys know I'm dedicated to you. But I could only do like one thing at a time. Because I don't want to just do it bad. I want to do it well. You know, we have marriage things and emotions things. And we're going to have a habits class and course coming out in December for people who want to like get their life balance time stuff. You've been asking, got you, but the parenting one, maybe the next year in Inshallah, but I'm telling you right now, if I was going to do a parenting course, which Inshallah, Inshallah, the first module will be about parenting yourself 
I know that sounds crazy. Like it's not me, it's them. Ask how many psychologists, when parents come in with like kid issues, it's like parent has to parent themselves first. And once they parent themselves, they can parent the child. That's what the prophet did. He had himself in a good scenario and then he dealt with the child in a good scenario. If he was in, a, I don't want to talk about like the prophet like this, but if, if it was anyone who was in an emotional mess or um, out of their dean, not so good, like you can't handle a child well. A lot of us were parenting unwell because we're struggling ourselves, right? Just goes back to the self. Same thing with the marriage, right? A lot of people who are struggling in their marriage. I got you. How many people are reaching out to me? I'm struggling with my husband right now. Sister, please, please, can I have a call with you? I need to talk to you about some crazy stuff that's happening and I'm an emotional train wreck. You cannot fix your marriage unless you fix yourself. Am I blaming the women? No. I hate when women do that, by the way. Just FYI, that's cringe to me. When people hear me say something like, oh, because of the marriage, something you have to fix yourself. Because because of like the current state of affairs, everybody thinks that means I'm defending the men. Who said that? I'm not even talking about the men right now. I'm just wondering why we keep bringing the men in the, in the picture. Forget him for a minute. I'm not even talking about him. I'm talking about in any relationship, you can't be happy unless you yourself have fulfilled yourself. That has nothing to do with feminism or a guy. I think that's more feministic to bring the guy into the situation. Like leave him out of it. Forget him. <laughs> Forget him. Talk about us, right? So my point is the same thing with the kids. It's really hard to parent the kids well if we don't parent ourselves. And if you don't know how, DM me. I'll talk to you. It's all good. All right. So let's go into the next part, which is the prophet's mercy and how he showed love. Like he did a lot of hugs pats on the head. Now in some cultures, you don't pat on the head in certain parts of Asia. Like I'm well aware, but they're not Muslim. They're usually like Buddhist or something like that. So my point is he was just, it was a lot of hugs and embraces. And, um, you know, that's something I want to just say right here. Um, we tend to quickly recall happy and tragic moments in our life. I want you to think about your life right now. An abused woman will certainly remember every single time her husband beat her or was manipulative emotionally damaging, right? A child would also remember how many times they've been kicked, beaten, kissed, or, huddled, or cuddled, right? There's it's like one extreme or the other. You remember that that family member in your life that was so merciful, was so nice to you when everybody else was horrible or vice versa. We remember these things. They're like etched in our mind. Now, Abdullah, Abdullah's father, Jafar, died as a martyr. The prophet prayed for Jafar's children, including Abdullah ibn Jafar. And it was fascinating that after all those years, Abdullah ibn Jafar still remembered that the prophet, peace be upon him, now passed away, had stroked his head and prayed for him as a child. You know, it's, it's amazing. Never underestimate, this is, this is a tough one for me to say, never underestimate how much a child can remember. I'm going to say that again. Never underestimate how much a child can remember. Never think that a child is too young to remember verbal Abuse directed towards them, emotional neglect, physical neglect of hugs and kisses and things like that, or witnessing fights between parents. I know, guys, these are all like, might be triggering. I'm totally aware. May Allah make it easy. Bismillah, alhamdulillah. Because some of us, we have some deep guilt, right? About what we said to our kids on bad days, about what they've had to see, maybe from us and the father, whatever it is. So I got you. I, I get it. I get you. But I want you to know that healing is possible. It's always possible because Allah said so. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said, you come to me in arms length, you know, I'm going to come to you, you come to me walking, I'll come to you running. Not in a technical sense, but you get me. We just have to make an effort towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he will do the rest. 
So don't forget to make those du'as. Don't forget in your sujood and everything else. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy. Our bad days, sisters, we have to really check them. We have to watch our words. If it means walking away, walk away instead of powering through. I am um, probably the number one person who will want to power through. I'm always like, kids are having a bad day. They're peeling all over the floor. And I homeschool, right? So sometimes it's just like an emotionally off day. Like the kids just, they're not into it. It's clear. I'm like, nope, we're going to power through. We need to get this done. We're in chapter four. We need to get to chapter five so that by the end of the week, we're in chapter seven because I just want to be done. I want to relax in the summertime. I'm not trying to homeschool kids, even though I end up always doing it at some level because my kids are just like, we travel a lot. That's the truth. We actually travel a lot. So we often take pauses in like traditional schooling to do travel schooling, which is kind of like we went to Malaysia and Indonesia. Shout out to everybody from there. I know you listen to the podcast and Singapore and Thailand. And we literally were like, okay, pause regular traditional school education for like experiencing these amazing places and history in our hands, like firsthand. So yeah, we do a lot of that stuff. We were in Turkey. We were, you know, like we we're about to go to Egypt maybe in the summer Wherever else are we going to go? Maybe Yemen. So at the end of the day, wherever we go, um, usually we're moving around a lot. So understanding the overwhelm. The prophet, peace be upon him, I want you to understand what he was doing now. And, I'm, and this is the deep connection I want you to make. He was creating positive associations. He would trigger the long-term memory of children so that they could learn and retain what they had learned, all while making them feel happy and loved. He would pray for them while stroking their heads, smiling and telling them how much he cared for them so that they could later recall that and associate that with salah. Subhanallah. With dua. They would associate dua with their parent stroking their back or their head. They would associate, you know, because he made the positive association. Isn't that brilliant? Isn't that brilliant? As opposed to, Go pray right now. You're going to hell. Right? I mean, come on. I know it's so much easier to yell because it's just like, I'm already upset. I'm already stressed. Blah, blah, blah. I got you. But if you could just do this, because I don't want us in the end to wonder where our kids are running from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why is my kid not religious? Why is my kid? People ask that all the time. Are we using these methods or are we using something else? The Prophet, peace be upon him, he would tend to focus um, in this hadith, I want to say, the Prophet used to kiss his grandsons, Hassan and Hussein, in Bukhari. And once the Prophet kissed Hassan and one companion seemed surprised. He said, I have 10 children. I've never kissed even one of them. And that's what he said. And the Prophet looked at him, astonished, and said, Then what can I do if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has deprived you of mercy? In another narration, the Prophet said, He who does not show mercy to others will not be shown mercy. Right? And one time, Omar ibn al-Khattab, he was the Khalifa, and he kissed one of his sons, and one of his subordinates in the local government said to him, ex- like, almost exactly with the same thing that that companion said, O commander-in-chief of the faithful, do you kiss your son while you're in the commander-in-chief? Like, he was like on the floor, like a donkey, having him ride him, like it was crazy, right? And Omar ibn al-Khattab, he said the same thing. He gave the same thing that the Prophet said. He said, what can I do if Allah has deprived you of mercy? And then he went on to fire him from on the spot, saying, if this man does not have mercy for children, how can I have him leading men that I'm responsible for? He has no mercy even for children. So I want you to think about the men those days. What about the men in our countries where they have said the same thing? No mercy for children? Off with you. No, they would have been like, good. 
They need to be taught a lesson. These are from our culture, guys. These are not from Islam. Do we follow the sunnah or do we? I mean, if the Prophet, peace be upon him, he looked into our homes, what would he see? What we think about what he saw. We tend to interpret he who does not show mercy on others will not be shown mercy, right? That's our current dysfunctional 2020 standard, right? And that just means that, like, to mean that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not have mercy on you if you do not show mercy, mercy on others. But what if it could also mean if you don't show mercy on your kids? Your kids in return will not treat you well once the tables are turned and you're older. Right? Is that what we want? What would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say about that? And how many of us want the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but we're not that merciful with his rules. We're not really following them, but we still want him to like give us help, you know? It's a little hypocritical if we're fair. All right. So I have a ton more to share with you guys throughout this. And I don't want to overwhelm you in one podcast with so much information. I could go on and on and on, but I'm just going to end here with how the prophet, peace be upon him, approached daughters. Because we often hear in our in our culture about men, right? And how men are and stuff like that with the, with the women and they're so merciless. And it's a lesson for us to see, you know, all the, the, the daughters in our families who are oppressed or mistreated in our Muslim homes. Children are children, but daughters need special care and attention. And the prophet, peace be upon him, had four daughters, and one of the immediate examples we get from him is from Fatima. And in a hadith from Bukhari, it says that Fatima came to the Prophet and he would stand up for her as a form of respect and make her feel welcome and kiss her and have her sit in his seat. Like, like here, take my seat. Like the way you would give respect to an elder man. And you're like, what? Isn't that like a little bit like, you know, too much? What's amazing in this scene is that he would give her respect. But I want to tell you why. I want to tell you the amazing smarts with this like what is the secret he did for her watch this his wordless gestures of love with the way he treated his daughter said it all but i want to make the connection right here for our girls and respect and self-esteem and you know our teen girls have problems with self-esteem and it's not their fault sometimes it's from us i'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be real parents sometimes we're not giving the best of word like if we're not doing all the things i just said about love and respect this entire podcast we could be very well contributing even unknowingly, to their lack of self-esteem. Because this is so connected to that. Watch this. The prophet, peace be upon him, would kiss his daughter rather than ask him to kiss her. Obviously, in an appropriate manner, guys. Like you know, He would kiss his daughter rather than to ask her to kiss him on the cheek, as some fathers do. He didn't ask her to sit next to him. He got up and said, take my seat, so that she felt honored and respected. In fulfilling her natural need, for love and appreciation as a young woman that she would be. This emotional fulfillment helped strengthen her confidence just by how he handled her, by simple things like that. You would never think that would affect it so deeply it did. And I'll make the last connection here. Um, uh, Ali ibn uh, Abi Talib later married Fatima. May Allah be pleased with her. And he said that she had a high level of expectation for how she would be treated based on how her father, the prophet, peace be upon him, treated her. That's deep, right? That's deep for our girls. Our, our girls getting that respect from their fathers. I know it's not all our faults. I could hear the women groaning. I told him he's not doing it. I can't make it. I get you, sis, but I'm just showing you what good looks like. And if you're a sister listening right now who is not married, get those standards in order. You're going to do the sit down. You guys know we're going to have that whole interview thing. This is what I'm talking about. Looking for a man who is more aligned like this. This is the depth 
of kindness. You know what a man who's all like, rah, 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 you know, like that, what is that going to do for his daughters? What is that going to do for his sons? Make him treat other women like that, right? They think it's, it's good to have a manly man, but yeah, but the prophet was very manly. He was there fighting on the battlefield, guys, sword, you know, riding into, into death, but he was soft and gentle with the rahmah of his kids, especially his daughters. And, you know, let this be a message to all of us. Nothing is wrong with telling your daughters that they're beautiful. This is for the men, the women too, but for the men and for the women, you know, encouraging their husbands for this, spending quality time with your girls as a man, cuddling her and carrying her as a man. This is huge. We need to walk away from our cultures and return back to our sunnah. So for some women, I know it's hard because you're like, gosh, I would love to do that. Control what you can control first. Let's go there. How many things did I say to you today? I said a lot, right? We talked about the merciful examples of the way the prophet dealt with his kids. Start with yourself, start there. Talked about why mercy is so powerful and how the child is affected, even in their childhood, by who treated them this way or that way. And those memories are very, very um, huge in our mind. And how he showed affection and how he treated his daughters and how he strengthened their confidence for life and being respected by men by the simplest gestures. So even if your husband doesn't do that, you could do that sisters yourself. You can increase that confidence yourself as much as you can. But it starts with us, all right? I love you for the sake of Allah. I know this was super, super long, but I hope you enjoyed it. Part two and three and four, they're probably gonna be a little bit shorter, but this is this is some important stuff. And I mean, what better example do we have than our prophet, peace be upon him, alhamdulillah. Jazakumallahu khairan. I will catch you on the next one. If any of this really, really hit home with you, DM me on Instagram. I would love to hear about it. I would love to talk to you. I'll talk to you in the next one. Assalamu alaikum, rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.